our Lord and Savior. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. It's just a beautiful day. Sure. Be in the house of the Lord. I want to thank you all so much for the prayers, for for our traveling, and and uh, we had a wonderful time. I was thinking, I was thinking of a song on the way back, Precious Memories. I think that's been a great song to sing. We, we had a wonderful time. You know, just, uh, just being with, uh, with family and, and stuff, it, you know, we were just so blessed. We were so blessed. It was so good to come back and be with our church family. Amen. And that's what a wonderful feeling it is to be here in the house of the Lord. Let's go in the Lord of Prayer at this time. Hey, 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 you lead us in the Lord of Prayer today. I haven't been in Sing one more here. Look at the page. 626. 626. The lily of the back.
before Brother Roger comes up and gives my information. All right, well, Brother Roger, if you don't mind, when you come and share with the question. This is the day that the Lord has made. Amen. Good to be back this morning. Uh, still missing some faces over here, and I'll be so glad to be able to see him again yes. in these days. But uh, that's just uh, something we'll have to uh, wait on. You know, I was um, thinking this week about this moment and. and uh, and the, the words fear and fear not just kept coming to me, and I got to thinking about that. And, and you know, I guess through my life, um, I have probably lived in fear. I, I, I was, I feared everything. You know, I'm not, not, I was not afraid of stuff, but I had a different kind of fear. Uh, I guess my biggest fear was fear of failure. I probably could have made a lot more money in my life than I did, but I had a good, stable job. Uh, it was the hours I needed for uh, to be able to take care of my family, and it was it was days. It was like 7:30 to 4:30, and so I had nights and weekends off. And uh, I probably could have. Well, I, I turned down opportunities that, that people would offer me, but. They couldn't tell me what it entailed, what you know, what the, the weeks and the months would entail. Uh, so I stayed where I was, first job, 23 years, and um, that place began to kind of falter a little bit. It was the third generation of a family-owned business, and that's that's a bad generation for a family-owned business. And several of the people, the department heads and, and things, had gone to another company, and they kept calling me to come over there. And I turned them down a time or two. Then all of a sudden, there's just peace came over me. It says, go. It'll be okay. So I went over there and worked there 23 years. And, uh, but uh, kind of the same situation. It was not a high-paying job, but it was the same hours and the same type of work. And uh, I was pretty good at what I did, so I felt real secure in my job there. But, but the fear of failure. You know, I, I, I was always afraid that, you know, if I lose my job, what am I going to do? I've got a wife and three kids, and we got this, and then, you know, and, and, and I, I wish now that I hadn't lived that way. I wish I had lived a more faith-filled life rather than a fear-filled life. You know, and, and like when I say fear, it was not a, not a fear of things hurting me so much, or it was just a fear of failure. And uh, I still struggle with that some. Um, whatever I do, I, I, I want it done right. I want it done where people think that's a good job and you know you, you don't leave a mess and things like that in what you do. But um, uh, fear not um, is, is in the Bible in the King James Version about 74 times. Now I haven't I'm depending on somebody else here. I haven't looked up all of these scriptures. Um, and uh, be not afraid is in the, it's in the King James Bible 29 times. 
and and the and the verses containing messages of fear and, and all of its forms, there's over 300 in the Bible, and, and you know I, I looked up fear, um, and you know in the biblical sense it's more or less a, a sense of awe, you know the fear of God is not a terrible fear like he's going to strike us down so much. It's like he's just such an awesome God. It's, he's a fearful thing. You know, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine God um, in, my, in my mind, you know. And, and, but, uh, you know, there's, there's other kind of fears. And, and as, as our kids grew up, you know, I feared for them, for their safety. And um, Elaine, too, if we ever went out anywhere, she had a death grip on their hands. You know, if we were in the mall or something, if they weren't in a car or a stroller or something, she was holding them. And uh, so she had that fear too, I'm sure, of uh, someone snatching a child in the mall. And, and you know, if you look at these things, they're kind of irrational fears. There's not that many times that happens, but there is those times. There are those times that it happens. So it's not that much of an irrational fear. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I guess the typical thing of fear is, is, is you know, is, is fear that somebody's going to do something. But, um, that's not the fear. That, that's not the fear that I had. Um, but anyway, I found a verse in Isaiah. And... It's in the 41st chapter and the 10th verse, and it kind of it kind of uh, puts aside those kind of fears that I had about things, um, you know. Because he tells us he's with us. He tells us in other places that that um, he'll not leave us, he'll not forsake us, and he's not lost one of his, and he won't lose one of his. So you know, we, we sh I should walk more in faith. Uh, I know that. Um, Mitchell and Hillary got in a situation right now with a child about to go to college. Uh, that's a scary thing. And, and I remember the first time our children drove out, drove out of the driveway when they were 16 by themselves. Um, I don't think I ever went to sleep until they came home. I lay down sometimes, but I don't know that I ever went to sleep. But their cars had a particular sound as they drove into the backyard. And I know a lot of times I would hear Angie pull up she worked at a fast food restaurant, so she'd come in late. And Ben, too, and uh, they'd come in late after their shifts on Friday night and Saturday night and stuff. And there's been times when I would hear their car, the sound of their particular engine or whatever, I don't know who it was, and I'd go to sleep before they got in the house. But I never rested until they got home. Uh, but the, you know, in this verse it says, Fear thou not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. If I had been able to apply that to my life as a younger person, I wouldn't have walked around in fear so much. I would have walked around in faith. But that was just that was just my nature then and um, you know, the, the things I fear now are a little bit different. Uh, I, was out, I had a tree that kind of leaned over and was kind of on my barn a little bit. And 
uh, I went out yesterday working on that, and I was, I was kind of uh, afraid that that uh, chainsaw and that 12-foot pole, I was a little bit more than I could handle. But <laughs> that's, you know, that's not a fearful fear. That's just a, like, wow, I don't know if I can do that or not too long. But anyway, uh, if we would walk in faith, and I'm just, I'm, I'm talking to myself this morning, I know. Uh, if, if I would walk in faith, I could walk in a whole lot less fear and a whole lot more certainty sure. about um, the, the fact that it's in his hands. It's not in my hands anyway. I can fear it all day long. I can dread it, I can, but I can't change it. He can. He's got, he's got control of it. So if I, would, uh, if I would walk in faith a whole lot more than I do, then I would walk in a whole lot less fear. And, and uncertainty. Um, I guess uncertainty is a, is a fear in itself, uh, not knowing what's out there, but we do know what's out there. And, and we know who's in charge, who's in control. Anyone got anything you'd like to say this morning before we take your classes? Uh, ask for uh, y'all to remember me and Elaine next uh, week. We are embarking on our uh, 50th wedding anniversary month of celebration, I guess, is going to start next week. We're going on our trip down to um, the central coast of Florida, on the Atlantic coast of, um, between Daytona and uh, Cape Canaveral, a little, little place we used to go called New Smyrna Beach, shark bite capital of the world. Uh, Y'all fear not, because I'm going to be out in that water. Bite and steam, and there's all kinds of critters that don't like me being in their house. So I won't be in water very deep if I am. If it washes up on me, maybe so, but I'm not going to be out there neck deep in water. You're to look at me. I can't swim that good. But anyway, y'all, remember us as we travel. We'll have a safe trip, and uh, uh, we'll, we'll miss seeing y'all next Sunday. But uh, we'll, we'll be back after that soon. This point we'll take the classes. Brother Roger, I'd like for everybody to remember the Norman Tuckman family. He left this walk of life uh, a few days ago and was buried yesterday. So please remember that family. Yeah. And keep Brother Bo and Brother Robert and Sister Dale and Sister Linda in their prayers. They've, uh, they've got a uh, pretty tough job going on right now. We keep, keep them in our prayers that they'll stay strong and uh, be able to do what they need to do. Um, Bo was able to brush his teeth this morning. Amen. 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 Well, that's progress. Yeah. As long as you're going in the right direction, yes. slow progress is better than no progress at all. Right. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that. And Linda, we got home last night about 6.30 and it was around 10 o'clock. Uh, that's a bad Jack called and said he was hurting in his chest. And, and uh, so, of course, got over there, but he's, uh, he's a medical center east downtown, but it's not a heart problem, it's his gallbladder, and they're not going to be able to do anything at nine years old. You know? and, uh, so they're just going to monitor him for a few days, keep him on some liquids and stuff, and stuff. But he was hurting pretty bad last night, pretty sick. Keep that in mind, that's a, that's that's a terrible pain. I had that. And yeah. It was, it, to me, it was heart pain. Kept me sitting on a stool in the hall all night and I bent over because I could get a little comfort that way until you know, I could get to the doctor the next day. 
Well, matter of fact, I called him Mount Fordyce on the way in, and I talked to him. I said, how you feeling, Jack? He said, I'm not feeling very well. I'm trying to make myself throw up. I said, well, why are you trying to make yourself throw up? He said, I just made me feel better if I could just throw up and eat some squash and some uh, some cabbage. Some cabbage. <laughs> so I think it, that's what really set him off. <laughs> but anyway, he's going to be okay. Mine was pecan pie. Did he pecan pie? Mine was salad. Mine was salad. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, brushing your teeth doesn't sound like a big deal, but that requires your hand to work, your elbow to work, and your shoulder to work, and also the coordination to go with it. So, and just give you a little more update on Bo. Uh, he may come home Friday, still no Thursday. Um, the parts that have been affected the most will be the last to recover. So his upper body is the first to recover. Uh, they told him that the way he is a year from now is the way he'll be the rest of his life. So it's a long-term recovery. He won't be dancing anytime soon, uh, jumping over hoops. But uh, he's getting, he's best thing of all, he's got such a good attitude. Yeah, he really does. Yeah, I'm proud of him. Anyone else a word this morning? All right, I believe we have made it to chapter 9 with Noah. Oh, and Bo said to tell everybody he's thinking about us and he's praying for us this morning. Okay, well in chapter 8, Noah and the animals have disembarked from the ark. The water receded and they disembarked. And in chapter 9, kind of breaks down into three different topics. We'll handle them one at a time. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And I think the last phrase of that verse is important when we get to the Tower of Babel. I think that plays a part in that. So let's keep that verse in mind, to replenish the earth, which I take that would mean to go out. Yeah, to repopulate the earth. Yeah. But he says, here's something new. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the field and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. So I guess it's logical to say before this point in time, Noah could walk up and pet a lion or chase after a squirrel and he'd chase after him. You know, just, uh, but no more. Now, 
creation other than man would fear and dread man like they do now. It kind of makes it more plausible that they were in this enclosed vessel mm -hmm. with all these things that we call beasts, you know, lions, yeah. tigers, everything that could that hurt and kill us. Uh, but apparently at that time, they had no fear of man. Man had no fear of mm -hmm. Yeah. Until? Until now. Yeah. Once again, as we saw from the Garden of Eden, we see the consequences of sin, don't we? Yeah. It was man's gross sin that caused the flood, but now there's consequences after it. Yeah. But he also said this, Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as the green herb have I given you all things. So I do believe up until this point, man did not eat animals. I believe he was, I guess we'd say he was a vegetarian. And I think all the animals were vegetarians up until this point, just like the cows are now. But that changes. Yeah, that changes. Man is now permitted to eat anything he wants. But I say this half-humorly, but God gave the animals a running chance, didn't he? Yeah, they weren't, they weren't going to be tamed. He'd have to go catch them. Uh, but now the hawk had a desire for the mouse. Yeah. And the lion had a desire for the rabbit. Yeah, so things have changed. But he said this, But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. And I have, it's amazing what you remember from your childhood, just odd and even things. I remember when I was really little, my grandfather killing a pig and going through all that process. But I remember the first thing he done was cut its throat. And now that I look back at that, um, Really, this is doing two things. One, it's preventing cannibalism. That's one thing it does. It's prohibiting cannibalism. But also, the blood represents the life that's in a creature. And life is precious. Yeah. Some would say this is the, this is the foreshadowing shadowing of Christ's blood. But man was not permitted to eat flesh that still had blood in it. Make sense? Okay. Yeah, well, well I used to be a phrase, I don't know how much it's used anymore, they used to say the lifeblood of something, as blood and life were used interchangeably. Yeah, okay. Has anybody else ever been around a pig killing? <laughs> you have? <coughs> That's hard to forget. All right. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. So if a lion was to kill a man, God was going to hold that lion accountable. That's how important life blood is to God. To life is to God. Yeah. You take everything he created, life was the greatest creation, wouldn't you say? Yeah, everything else was just vessels. Yeah, life 
was the greatest creation of all. And continuing in verse 5, And at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. And here's a biggie. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. God ordered capital punishment here. There's no way around it. We find over in uh, Exodus and Leviticus where it's further emphasized. But murder, God now, well, God requires man to take the life of a man that takes another man's life. Yeah. And I know the world thinks that's so backwards that, that Christians would believe in capital punishment. You know? They think, oh, y'all are all about love and y'all are all about, but God commanded it here. Yeah, Elaine? Um, it kind of reminds me of the man that was murdered that was buried down here in our cemetery. And within six months, the guy that murdered him was murdered by somebody else. I mean, it was in such a period of time. If you do this, your blood's going to be required. But I believe in capital punishment, too. Yeah. Now, as we get on over into... No, on Moses' time, there were stipulations put on it. Um, you know, there is such a thing as an accidental, what we would call, uh, what's the word? Manslaughter. Man, we call it manslaughter, yeah. Involuntary, yeah. You know, if I'm driving a car and I fall asleep and I run into somebody and it kills somebody, I did not mean to do that. You know, but it still happened. There's still a punishment there, um, as opposed to I uh, bought a gun and I practiced shooting and I followed somebody around till I shot them. I meant to do that. And in the in the new over in Moses' time, they had what was called cities of refuge, where if you say you accidentally killed someone, if you could get to that city then basically you could have a trial. You could be heard by the, the elders that sat at the gate saying, hey, I did not mean to do that. It was an accident. So, and I think that's the appropriate way to look at things. There's a huge difference between involuntary and premeditated. Yeah. But at this time, if you accidentally killed someone, his brothers or his family did have a legal right to take your life. Yes, they did. Yeah, unless you can get to one of those sections of the Correct. Yeah. Where you can be heard. Yeah. We have sanctuary cities now that are um, used and abused. Oh, yeah. We're, we're off the rails with a lot of stuff right now. So. Yeah. Big time. Anyone else a comment on that? So if somebody asks me my opinion about capital punishment, I'll tell them the same thing I always try to say. My opinion ain't worth two cents. But let me tell you what the book said about it. And if you got a problem with that, you can take it up with the writer. Yeah. Verse 6, I'll say it again. Whosoever sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man the importance of life. 
Then again, he reemphasizes it. And you, be ye fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. And I think he's talking to more than Noah here. I think he's talking to the animals and the, all the creatures, everything that came out of the ark. Yeah, to be fruitful and multiply and replenish, and again, replenish the earth. Anyone on those, that section? Okay. All right, we'll start the next section. And God spake specifically unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you, which is us, and with every living creature that is with you, and of fowl and of cattle and of every beast of the earth with you from all that goeth out, that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. You know, usually in a covenant, this party does this and this party does this. But not in this covenant. This was all one way, wasn't it? God was making the covenant. We need to remember that. It's not the first time or the last time he'll do that. But here God's making a covenant and everything that's got to be done is on his part. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud. <coughs> Obviously, the rainbow. Now, now we know the science behind the rainbow, if you want to look at it that way, but it's how God had prepared everything. When it rained, there was a rainbow. Uh, I don't guess anyone's ever found the end of one yet, have we? I tried. You tried? <laughs> Much time. Much time. Okay. Have you ever seen anything prettier than a, a really pretty rainbow or a double bow? Yeah. set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a token of a covenant between me and the earth and it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh and the water shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh there will never be another worldwide flood even if the polar caps melt and everything else that folks are worried about, there will never be another worldwide flood. God will never destroy the earth by water again as he spoke. He didn't say anything about fire, did he? No. And the bow that shall be in the cloud 
and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the covenant, this is the token of the covenant which I established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. That takes care of the second session. You guys are so quiet this morning. Well, Michael, I think that the, uh, it's not a stretch for us to be encouraged and remember all the promises of God when we see that rainbow. Mm -hmm. Can you see one without being encouraged and just feeling better? I mean, you really can. And uh, there has been a few times of uncertainty in the life of a family when seeing a rainbow gave us encouragement to that everything would be okay. So to me I'm encouraged to remember all the promises of God when I see that rainbow that is faithful. And I think, just don't think it's coincidence that what causes a rainbow? Light. Light causes a rainbow. Yeah. You, normally, when you see a rainbow, is at the end of the storm. Mm -hmm. As the storm has passed by, then you'll see a rainbow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. You know, I love in Revelation, it's in Revelation, when it talks about there's a rainbow from God, mm -hmm. and it says he's a light in the middle of the So, that, can you imagine when John it just talks about the full fridge? that he uh, saw a rainbow. He said, and that he who sat on there was a, like a jasper, a slate stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an animal. I just think it's beautiful how God just duplicates, in a sense, you know, it's always going to be before him on the throne, but he also makes it where we can see. It's like seeing the heart of heaven. Just what she said, that creation is a reminder to us that the promises are also before the Father, mm -hmm. that that rainbow is before Him and, and it is before us, so that we can look at that and know that even in His presence, He's going to see that and remember His words. And, that, and He tells us to look at Him and remember us of His word. And you think, well, do we have to remind God? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. But it's just, I believe it's really when we hear our voice speak this, the words of God, that it does encourage our spirit because we are spirit. A lot of times we just forget that this is a blood that's going to fall off one day. And who we are really is inside our soul and our spirit. And when we speak His words and we see what He's done, the same things in heaven that we're seeing, how powerful that is that God lets us something that lives in the things of the spirit of what God wants us to see. That we sometimes get so blinded by this thing in the world. We, we can stop and look at it wow, I'm looking at something that's literally in the presence of God in heaven. There's a rainbow before my father. This, if you want to see a rainbow, just think about that rainbow that's in Revelation. Mm -hmm. God's allowing us to see something so powerful that there's a covenant over us that we can look at and that, that covenant is before him too. Just another little, I say little place, another place where God reveals himself to us. Yeah. In a way we can grasp in our little infinite, our little finite minds. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Maggie.
I'm, this reminded me about a little bit later in Genesis where uh, God made the covenant with Abraham. The, the, the custom was to divide the beast and, and the, the two making the covenant walk through in between. But, but God caused a sleep to, to come on Abraham. Uh, and it was God and God alone that made the covenant. He didn't require anything of Abraham. Abraham couldn't have walked with God through that. And, and the same here. He didn't require Noah to keep a, a part of the covenant. And it, God just took it on himself. He took it because we can't. And so all of the covenants, and we have to follow him. He wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to come to him. But, but he's done all the work for us. The work is done. That's why we say salvation is free. Well, what could we do to keep up our part of the bargain on salvation? No, no building we could build, no mountain we could climb. All we do is accept it. He's already, he's, all that's, he's taken care of. Yeah. One other point I wanted to bring out, and this is especially to Brother Roger, verse 14 says, And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud. So, weather's not totally random, is it? Brother Rogers is a big a weather freak as I am, so that's why I point him out on that. But uh, what it screams is God is in control, doesn't it? Yeah, God is in control. Yeah. How could you not like weather? <laughs> All right, anyone on those two topics? Now we got a sticky one we got to get through, okay? <clears throat> Verse 18. And the sons of Noah... Oh, let me back up and say this. I've made the statement several times that the Bible portrays its characters warts and all. You know, the Bible only had showed its prophets and folks in great honor and all... Oh, I can never live up to that. It shows us, you know, it shows us Elijah hiding in a cave, discouraged. Um, it shows Samson eventually giving in to sin. The Bible paints the people that are in it, warts and all, and we're fixing to see one of Noah's big warts, okay? So, with that said, and the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. Now remember that. The three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and then Ham's son, Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, ninth chapter, 19th verse. I'm sorry, guys. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. So I don't know how much time passed here. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And that's all you can say about it. And as we see, there's about to be severe fallout from sin. Yeah. Okay. Noah messed up big time. That's all you can say about it. And Ham 
Here again it specifies, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what, what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, well, let me, well, do I want to read that one yet or not? Yeah, let me do. And he said, cursed be Canaan. What did Canaan do? It was him. But it says, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. Now, there are three opinions to this passage. Let me use my words carefully here. The first opinion is just as it reads. He saw his father's nakedness, maybe laughed at him, degraded him, came out laughing at him to his brothers and then his brothers took a blanket and covered him up without seeing him. Um, that's one opinion. Punishment seems kind of severe for that. I, I don't I can't say yes or no but that's one opinion of what happened here just as it reads. The second opinion is that Ham did something improper to his father. And we'll leave that at that. Now, let me read a verse of Scripture. I put it on my phone for I wouldn't forget it because this term, nakedness of their father, doesn't necessarily... Well, here, let me read this. And this is out of Leviticus, 20th chapter. And the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. So father's nakedness seemingly always implies something of intimacy. So the opinion three is that Ham uncovered his father's nakedness by going into Ham's, by going into Noah's wife. And thus the child that became of that, Canaan, was cursed. Okay? And by the two brothers covering their father's nakedness, they covered up their mother. Or mother-in-law. I don't know. I may have had different wives. He lived an awful long time. But that's the three consensus of thought to how this played out. So, personally, I lean towards number three because of the severeness. Uh, any guess who Canaan's descendants became? Canaanites, yeah, who were eventually destroyed by Israel, yeah. So, <laughs> I hate to ask, any questions on that? <laughs> I like this comment, right? it's not exactly important. All this wouldn't happen if yes. he hadn't been drunk. Yes. And there's no good thing. Correct. Whatever good thing. Yes. Yes. 
whose fault was all this? Well, it started with Noah. Just like if David had been at war like he should have been and not been at home wandering around idle, all that might have never happened with Bathsheba. Yes. Our actions have consequences. They really do. Anyone else? We're about to wrap up. Let me wrap up this chapter. Okay, I'll go back to 5. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, or Ham's son. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years, and all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. So, we wrap up Noah. It took us a while, but he lived a long time, right? Yeah. I guess that will do it for this morning, unless someone else has a comment. We'll go at it next Sunday. Yeah, one thing if you do read ahead, I'll give you a little hint. If you notice when it starts going through all those genealogies, genealogies, there's something in there that really stands out about each person. You know, I'll kind of leave it at that, but it's significant. If you'll just compare each person, it gives a little, little snippet about each person. Uh, pay attention to that. It's important. Okay? Thank you for your help.